Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 28. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So when it comes to the spirit world and the spiritual battle, the, the battle between light and darkness, the battle between good and evil, between angels and demons, between God and Satan, some folk are absolutely terrified by that and, and don't want to even think about it. Some are sceptical and go, eh. And some become consumed by it. Ooh, a spiritual battle. Ooh, how exciting. Uh, the thing is... Satan is just as real as God is. Uh, and we rejoice because the kingdom of God is victorious. It overthrows evil. And God has not won an imaginary victory. He has not won an imaginary battle over his enemy. He has a very real victory. And that re very real victory is against a very real enemy. And in the Bible reading today, there is a lot going on. There's demon possession. There's exorcisms. That, that's the casting out of a demon. There's miraculous healing from an exorcism. There's signs and wonders. There's wandering spirits. 
And as Jesus was doing his thing, the kingdom of God overthrowing evil, there were some who were amazed. There were some who were sceptical, or maybe even worse than sceptical, that sort of testing him. And there were even those who accused Jesus of conducting a false flag operation, saying, you're on the side of evil pretending to be good. And we're going to talk about all of that today. But the focus of this passage and what we are to understand from it is bracketed by verse 13, on which we finished last week, and verse 28, on which we finished this week. And those two verses help us to understand everything that's in between them. And it is something spectacular that God has done. So when we finished up last week, Jesus had been teaching his disciples about prayer. He said, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right? To be given the Holy Spirit of God is a good gift. And what a wonderful blessing it is that, that God chooses to live inside those whom he has saved. And so in prayer, we ask, we seek, we knock. Heavenly Father, give to us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Why? What is this great benefit of having the Holy Spirit of God. Why do we need him? It's because we are not a divided kingdom. We are not an empty residence. We are not merely hearers of the word. We are keepers of the word and doers of the word, which, by the way, is the end bracket of verse 28. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. All right, so let's dig in. There was a man who was mute. That means that he couldn't speak. Now, what causes that? For some, it's a physical condition. There is something physically wrong with them um, that means that they cannot speak. For some, it's a mental condition. There's something which prevents them from being able to speak because of something that's going on with their nerves and, and with their brain. But then there's sometimes it's a spiritual thing. And it might surprise you that sometimes it's God who makes a person mute. And some of you might say, no, God would never do that. Well, the thing is, we've already seen this already in the Gospel of Luke. When Zechariah was struck dumb because he didn't believe the angel when he was told that he was going to have a son in his old age. But then when Zechariah named his son John, who we know as John the Baptist the Lord opened his mouth and gave him his words back and he praised God with those words. So sometimes God does it, but sometimes it's a different sort of spirit. And here in verse 14, it's an evil spirit who makes the man mute. Now, that does not mean that every person who cannot speak is inflicted by an evil spirit. But in this case, it was an evil spirit that was the cause. And so when Jesus cast that evil spirit out, the mute man spoke and we're told that the people marvelled. But not everyone, or at least not everyone marvelled in a good way. Some saw what Jesus had done and accused Jesus of conducting a false flag operation. They said, you're Beelzebul, you're, you're the prince of demons, or, or, or at least doing it by the power of, of Beelzebul. But then there were others 
who sat on the fence. We're told that they were testing Jesus. That, that could mean that they were tempting him, um, but they were looking for a sign. They wanted to see a sign from heaven. Now, we don't know if they wanted a particular sign or not. Maybe, maybe they wanted the sun and the moon to pause in their position in the sky for a whole day, like what God did for Joshua. Or maybe they wanted the sun to go dark, like God did for Moses in Egypt. Or maybe they wanted a star to appear, like God did for the wise men. We don't know. But what we do know is Jesus' spiritual victory over evil wasn't enough for them. They wanted to see a heavenly sign, something up in the sky. So, in the eyes of Jesus, what's worse? What's worse? Being dead against Jesus, thinking that he's evil, or being disbelieving and saying, I need another sign before I can believe. What's worse? Well, it might surprise you to find out there, there is no middle ground. Skipping ahead to verse 23, Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Right, but we are getting ahead of ourselves and we'll get to that shortly. So some saw the power of Jesus and his victory over the demons and they judged him. Oh, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself, it's had it. It's, it a divided household falls. And he said, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Right? It's a battle of kingdoms. It's a battle of kingdom against kingdom. And there are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world or, or Satan's kingdom. They are one and the same. Why is it that this world is so evil? What possesses a person to go into a schoolyard and shoot tens, hundreds of children? What possesses such a person to do that? What possesses someone, what possesses Hamas? to go across the border into Israel and kill a heap of people and take a heap more hostages and rape and pillage. What possesses people to do that? How could this happen? Why is this world so evil? It's because this world is part of the kingdom of Satan. Those who receive Jesus, those who in faith believe in him and bow to him as Lord, these are the disciples of Jesus. These are the citizens of the kingdom of God. And those who do not are part of the kingdom of darkness. Now, some people don't like Christians. Oh, you're just all too exclusive. You know. Well, that's just the way it is. We can't change the message just because it, people don't appreciate it. Um, there are only two ways, and those who are not with Jesus are against him. Now, apart from Jesus, can there be spiritual freedom from the powers of darkness? Can a person get spiritual freedom from the powers of darkness without getting it from Jesus? 
Many have tried. What do I mean by that? There are lots of religions. And within those religions, there are soothsayers. There are witch doctors. There are priests. There are medicine men. There are dowsers. There are diviners. There are gurus. There are mediums. There are shamans. The indigenous have the clever men. All who through their dark arts offer to set people free from evil spirits and to give them spiritual healing. How successful are they? Is there another way other than Jesus for there to be spiritual freedom from the powers of darkness? Never. They themselves are the powers of darkness. They are the false flag operations pretending to be the goodies. But in the long run, the troubled who engage their services trying to be, get free of these evil spirits, they just pull deeper and deeper and deeper into the bondage of evil. You see, Satan doesn't do good. He doesn't do godly. Satan doesn't do true freedom. He might dress himself up to look like an angel of light, but he is not. His promises are false. His healings are temporary and not real. And his illusion of freedom is but another form of bondage. No other God, no other religion, no other spiritual discipline can truly set a person free. But when the power of God sets us free through the Lord Jesus Christ, when the power of God sets us free from the evil one, we are free indeed. You know, exorcising demons from those who were oppressed, it wasn't a new thing in Israel. The Jewish priesthood did it too. And Jesus said, so if I'm doing it by the power of the devil, by what power are they doing it? And so, so the people who were accusing Jesus of that were being judged um, for their stance on Jesus because... The own, their own priests were doing it by the power of God, not by the power of the evil one. And so in verse 20, we get to the crux of what's really going on. And this is really spectacular. Jesus said, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If Jesus, who was not in the priesthood, was doing this mighty work of God of setting people free from, from the de demons, if Jesus was doing this mighty work of God by defeating the kingdom of darkness, this is a new thing. This is a sign of the kingdom of God breaking into the world in a whole new way. So, when a person embraces evil and gives the devil a foothold in their lives, allowing an evil spirit to come in and to oppress them and in some cases possess them, how can they be set free of that? Be under no illusions. Satan is strong. Don't ever discount the strength of Satan. Be under no illusion. Satan is strong. He is powerful. Here he's called the strong man. And when a strong man, fully armed, 
guards his own palace, his goods are safe. And this sounds hopeless. When the devil gets a hold of a person, how can they be set free? When he's fully armed, when he is fully entrenched into that person's life, this sounds hopeless. Can they ever be set free? Yes, they can. I'll tell you why. It's because there is a glorious word in Scripture. It's one of the most glorious words. It's a word of only three letters, but, but. And all of these times in the Scriptures, in so many places, we'll read about this hopeless situation and predicament that men find themselves in, and then there comes in this glorious word, but. And that's what happens here. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Right? The one who's stronger raids and plunders the kingdom of Satan. So what is the spoil? What is the treasure of the devil? What, is, what does the devil want and what does the devil never want to lose? Souls. The devil knows that he is doomed to hell and he wants to take as many other souls as he can with him. But there is one who is stronger and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus steps in, he overcomes the evil one and he takes his spoil, he takes his treasure. Jesus saves souls. And so we come to verse 23 where Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. There is no neutrality. You know how Switzerland is seen as the neutral country in, in the wars? There is no neutrality here. There is no sitting on the fence. There is no middle ground. If I am not with Jesus, I am against him. And there's your answer right there for the many people who would say to you, hey, look, I'm basically a good person. Why would God judge me simply because I don't worship him? You don't have to argue with them. All you have to do is say, well, this is what Jesus said. Jesus just said, whoever is not with me is against me. It's your call. You can, you can be with Jesus or you can be against him, but you, there is no neutral ground. And he said, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Right? Jesus is making it clear that to be part of the kingdom of God means to be actively participating in the kingdom of God. Some of you work with sheepdogs. Well, there's probably more with cattle dogs now. Um, but for me, my, my background, I, I used to work with sheepdogs. I want you to think of a time when you've gotten a new pup and the first time you've taken it into the yards. And didn't it fill your heart with pride in your pup when you saw its natural inclination at work? So at, at, up to this stage, probably before you've taken it to the sheepyards, you've probably only yet been able to teach it to come to you when you call and stay when you tell it to stay and uh, maybe sit when you tell it to sit. And that's probably about it. 
And then you take it to the sheepyards for the very first time and you see its natural inclination at work where there's a mob of sheep and one sheep makes a break for it and this tiny little pup runs off and heads off this sheep that's about eight times its size and, and the sheep runs back into the mob. Do some of you, you get in the picture I'm giving you. I just, I, I used to just be amazed at that. This little dog, that's, that's just its natural way to do. Because that's what a good dog does. It gathers the flock. But then there's those other dogs and hopefully those dogs belong to somebody else. Those dogs, when you take them into the yards, their natural inclination is they run into the middle of the flock and they scatter them. Have you ever seen a dog do that? You don't want that dog, do you? Unless you have a special purpose for it. I can't think of a purpose where you would want it. Jesus said, whoever does not gather with me scatters. To be part of the kingdom of God means to be actively participating in the kingdom of God. Gathering. Gathering what? Gathering souls. Because that's what Jesus does. And if we're not doing that, once again, there's no neutrality. A working dog is either doing work, gathering, or it's getting in the way. And disciples of Jesus are active in building the kingdom of God. Why? Because we are following Jesus. And if Jesus is gathering, if we're following Jesus, that's what we will be doing too. Remember the last verse at the end bracket says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Righto. So the kingdom of God overthrows evil and humans can be set free from the bondage of the evil one but to what end you see the kingdom of god is only the kingdom of god if the king is in residence right if, if the king is not present in your life you are not part of the kingdom of god if the one who is stronger, God, casts out the strong man, the evil one, what then? Jesus tells a story. He said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Did you notice that? It's still his house. No one else is living in it yet. It's his house. No one else has taken up the lease. Some folk long to be set free from all sorts of stuff. They, they want to have spiritual freedom. But they want it on their terms. They want to be set free from these things. They want to have this spiritual freedom and they even look to Jesus for it sometimes. But they don't want Jesus. They just want the freedom that comes with him. They want the spiritual work of Jesus. They want Jesus to fix their marriage. Maybe they want him to heal their relationships. Maybe they want him to 
you know, change their kids a bit so that they're more manageable. Maybe they want Jesus to heal their disease or, or even to remove the painful past experience from them. But they do not want to be saved, at, not, at least at not with what, what that means. They don't want to be a disciple of Jesus. They don't want to be for Jesus and they certainly don't want to be gathering with Jesus. And so they don't let Jesus into their heart. They don't ask. They don't seek. They don't knock. They don't pray, Father, give to me that wonderful gift of your Holy Spirit. Live inside of me. Make your home in me and transform me to become like you. They don't do that. And so when the evil spirit returns, that the stronger one who has kicked him out isn't there. Why is God not in resonance? Because he wasn't, hasn't been invited. And so they are empty. It finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. What's the outcome of that? that? That can't be good. I mean, cast out one evil spirit, but then it gathers up another seven, worse than itself, and brings them all back. So now there's eight, and most of them are worse. That can't be good. And Jesus says, in the last state of that person is worse than the first. Now, you've seen this. I know you have. When a person seeks spiritual healing and release, and there may be an initial setting free, there may be an initial healing, and there may be evidence of that initially, but there is no serious ongoing submission to the commitment to Christ. And so it's not long, and, and you can tell the king isn't in resonance in their heart. And the old ways return. The addict returns to his addiction. The criminal returns to his crime. The adulterer to his immorality. The foul mouth to the swearing. The bitter return to the anger and rage and malice. And the abuser returns to his violence. What Jesus is telling us here is a person is worse off to be set free but to not have God in residence. It's about a person who has experienced a great act of God but they haven't responded to that appropriately. And what's the appropriate response? We invite God in. We give our hearts to him. And hence the brackets, the prayer Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Lord, take up residence. Be the stronger man in my life. Be the strongest who can never be overcome. And getting fully on board, not just hearing the word of God, but keeping it. Now, keeping it has the two facets to it. It means you don't stop believing but keeping the word of God also means doing the word of God, doing it, holding on to it, 
Not just having a taste of God's word and then giving it up. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus actually said that when some random woman in the crowd heard Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God and its victory over evil. And for her, it's sort of a bit like, oh, wow, I, I wish my sons were like you. I, I wish you were my boy. That's my summary of what she said. But she actually yelled out, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that you sucked on. I know that's not what the Bible reading said, but it sort of politened down a bit. But that's pretty much exactly what she said. But really, what she is saying is how cool it would be to be your mum. When it comes to Jesus and his teaching, it's common to hear thought bubbles. You know how thought bubbles just pop up and some people use their outside voice when they probably should have used their inside voice? There's another thought bubble. So sometimes these thought bubbles are downright wrong. And at other times, they're not so much wrong, but they just miss the point entirely. And this is a case in point. When the woman blurts out, blessed is the woman who bore you and who nursed you, um, that's actually true. It's actually true. But she's missed the point entirely. It's not about having some special personal connection to Jesus like being his mum. It's not even about hearing the teaching of God. And this got me thinking and reflecting. My whole life's work at the moment is about each week preparing for each Sunday to bring to you the teaching of God. You can hear it and you, go home, you can go home saying, wow, what a wonderful sermon that was. Or probably more of you go home thinking, that, that preacher's lost the plot. No, no idea what he's trying to say. But either way, if you go home unchanged, if you go home unmotivated, if you go home with no intention of putting into action the word of God, or worse still, if you go home uninspired to keep God's word, how sad is that? Maybe the preachers failed. Maybe the hearers failed. Jesus exhibited a spiritual victory the victory of the kingdom of God over evil. It is a sign that the kingdom of God has come upon us. Some people will go searching for more signs. We don't need more signs. Why would we pray, Jesus, give us some more signs? Jesus, let's, let's have some signs and wonders in church today. Why would we seek that? When Jesus has already told us that's what an evil and adulterous generation seek, more signs. We don't need more signs. The kingdom of God has come upon you. You know that. The kingdom of God has come upon you. When the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that removed all doubt. We don't need another sign. The kingdom of God has come upon us. So what do we do about that? We keep it. Those who reject 
the work of God or those who reject the word of God or who look for, for more evidence rather than joining him are not keeping the word of God. Let's not be one of those. The one who experiences spiritual release through the power of Jesus is in grave danger of returning to bondage unless they become more than listeners of God's word. We keep God's word and we pray, Lord, be the strongest man and be that in my life. Take up residence in my heart for I am yours. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you taught us to pray your kingdom come. And our prayer today is just that. May your kingdom come in each of our lives. We yield ourselves to you. Come. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Be the one who doesn't win a momentary fleeting victory, but be the one who rules. Be the one who reigns victorious in our lives. And Lord, help us to be more than hearers of your word. Help us to be doers, to be keepers, to be for you, not against you, to gather with you and to not scatter. For your kingdom has come and we glorify your holy name. Amen.